again. Everybody doing okay? Wow, it's hard to believe it's been, what, 10 weeks? 10 weeks? Whatever March 15th was. It's too long. That's when we met last. Uh, it's been quite a journey for all of us. Um, I'm still the only person I know who got the stupid thing. Uh, so my apologies to, uh, to everyone I was with on that Sunday morning. Praise God, no one else got it. Um, even though we had church, I had staff meetings, I had a counseling appointment. I can't even remember what all I had. I had lunch with Brian Shoup one day. And as far as I know, it was just me and my family. So, But, you know, nowadays we're out saving the world. Uh, giving our antibodies to do whatever they do. I don't know, whatever happens. But um, anyway, it's so great to be back with you. Um, it's great that uh, my children were here for 10 weeks. It's great that my children are leaving uh, now that the homes have opened back up. So uh, jobs are opening back up, and it, it's been a wonderful time. Take your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14. All right, I'm going to ask you an honest question. Raise your hand honestly. Honestly, you're not here to hurt my feelings or not hurt my feelings. How many listened to the sermon last week? Well, look at you. That is actually a higher percentage, so I don't have to do the whole sermon from last week again. Because this sermon plays on that sermon. And I just want to know that we've got that background together before I, I move on. Um, Rob, you'll find this funny. Um, uh, when Kathy listened to me record the sermon last week, and I, as I was recording it, I threw in a line kind of spontaneously that if you look at someone and somewhere in the back of your mind you say, idiot, then you're judging them. And Kathy thought that was a little strong. Um, when, it, when I finished, she said, I liked it all. That one line was a little strong. But leave it to my friend Rob to say that's the best line of the whole sermon. <laughs> so uh, just kind of speaks to everyone. Everybody's got a different place where they, uh, where they come from. Today is Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost, and by the way, it is so good to hear your laughter. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd say jokes to the camera, and who knows if anybody thought it was funny. So, and you... Maybe your laughter is just polite even now, but thank you. It is good to hear. Acts 2, verses 1 through 4 says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them, on each of them. Don't worry about the kids, they're fine. We're, it's just we're going to put up with family stuff, right? Um, because it's better to be together uh, than, and hear sounds than to be uh, in our living rooms watching it on TV. And then it goes on. It says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Today, we're celebrating as Pentecost God's empowering presence on us individually. And listen to me, corporately. Each, each of them, all of them. It didn't say on some of them. It didn't say a one or two. It said on all of them. That's why Paul, I believe, goes on in Ephesians and says this. Make every effort to keep what? The unity of what? The Spirit. The unity of the Spirit 
through the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. He's saying all these oneness statements. But he has preceded it by saying, keep the unity of the spirit. It is through the spirit of God that we are able to proclaim there is one body, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Without the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, we are in capable of coming to unity together because as we've seen just last week and this week there are so many things that will divide us there are so many things that will rip us apart there are so many things that will be on your conscience that set will say to you this is important not only is this important but it's important for me and it's important for you and it's important for the people around me and Paul calls these things disputable matters. Disputable in this sense. The Bible doesn't say whether you should go to movies or not. The Bible doesn't say whether you should do certain... I, I hate to even list the activities, though I did last week a lot of them, I know. But you weren't there, so it seemed easier just to call them out. I mean, we've had people leave fullness for every single reason imaginable... And 95% of them were disputable matters. Should I wave a flag or not wave a flag? The Bible doesn't speak about waving flags. The Bible doesn't speak about certain issues about movies and drink and food and you know, all, all, all the things that we divide ourselves. But we don't even do well with the things the Bible does speak about. And then we start adding these disputable matters that we let divide us. David, long ago, said how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. And then he talks about some of the benefits of it. But he closes the psalm by saying, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life evermore. Unity is strong. Unity is powerful in the sight of the Lord. It's where not only we get along, but it's where the blessing of the Lord resides. Jesus in John chapter 17, looking forward to the future of us. This is a slight review from last week, but says, My prayer is not for them alone. Well, which of them is he talking about? His immediate disciples. But he says, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. How one does the Father want us? The same one as the Father and the Son through the power of the Spirit. May they also be in us that the world may believe that you have sent me. I, I, I cannot overemphasize the power of spiritual unity within the body of Christ. It's where the blessing of the Lord resides. It's where the power of the Lord resides. It's where the, the love of God is manifest to the world around us. It matters. It matters so much. And last week, I divided Romans 14 into two parts. Uh, the first 12 or so verses, I talked about walking together in unity, principles of living in unity. Just to remind you that we need to genuinely accept one another. Not, listen to me, not just tolerate each other. Not, we need to accept one another. And in accepting one another, we also accept others' views on disputable matters. Things that the Bible is not clear about, we accept one another. 
live without judging. This was the, uh, if you look in the back of your mind and you say idiot about when someone says something, then you've judged them. Don't judge people. Quit judging others. Live unto the Lord. Whatever you do, do it unto the Lord. If you can't do it unto the Lord, you shouldn't do it. I'm trying not to preach all of last week's sermon, though I thought it was really good. Living with an awareness of the coming judgment. In other words, your judgment of others will be judged before the Lord. So quit judging. Because he embraces unity so very much. We need to walk unity together. So, today, I want to do the second part. Not only should we uh, live in unity with one another, but ratchet it up and walk together in love. Some principles of walking in love. And again, just I'm just going to waltz us down uh, the rest of Romans 14. So starting in verse 13, we need to live in the light of the cross. Live in the light of the cross. Here's what I mean by this. Look at verses 13 through 15. He says, Therefore... Let us stop passing judgment on one another. Here we are back to judgment again. Let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. As one who is in the Lord Jesus, I am fully convinced that no food is unclean in itself. Look up here for just one second. Paul, for the, most of the rest of this chapter, is going to use food and drink as the example of a disputable matter. Because that was the predominant matter in the church in Rome, where he's writing. You have Jews and Gentiles coming together. Some would say, from the Jewish perspective, they're still practicing the Jewish um, dietary laws, which is, Paul has said, that's fine. Whatever's in your conscience, it's fine to practice that. And some were from a Gentile perspective, so they were eating meat. So you had the Meat eaters, vegetarians, so to speak. But he's using that as an example that the Bible is not going to make a statement about whether this food is clean or unclean. By the way, um, I think in this, he's also making some statements about how much of the Old Testament do you carry into the New? How much of the Old Covenant do you carry into the New Covenant? That's a whole different dance that I don't want to get engaged in right now. But let's just go with disputable matters. So, for instance... We, we don't, we, we're not under the law, so to speak. The, the regulations that the Jewish culture were given about mixed cloth and other items about that. But some of the mores that were specifically given in the Old Testament are re-articulated in the New Testament. So I, 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 I hear people preaching about this all the time. Any any law, they say, that was mentioned in the Old Testament, they say it doesn't apply in the New Testament. And I say, well, no, that's not quite true because some of them are re-articulated in the New Testament to say this is morally wrong. You probably know what I'm saying here. So all of that to say he's using food as an example to say don't get caught up. Don't judge others based on what they eat or don't eat. But still, I'm on living the light of the cross, so let me move forward. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for him it is unclean. If your brother is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in what? In love. If you're, if you're just doing this unto yourself, you're not acting in love anymore. 
You've gone beyond that. You're acting how? You're acting in selfishness. Instead, he says, do not by your eating destroy your brother for whom Christ died. He's saying the cross where Christ died, he did it for your brothers and sisters. He sacrificed his very life for you. How can you not give up something that might cause your brother or sister distress? Live in the light of the cross. We are called to sacrificial living. We are called to laying down our lives for our friends. We're, we're called to, to live as Christ called us. And he's basically saying, listen, this is a disputable matter, but your brother or sister in Christ is more important than a disputable matter. They matter more. Now, let me just back up again just for a minute to remind you he talks coming up in just a minute about weaker and stronger. Weaker and stronger. And he says, a person who cannot do something that is a disputable matter in faith is the weaker. The person who can participate in some activity, that's a disputable matter. I keep saying this over and over again. Disputable matter is the stronger. Right? And he's saying the one who can do it stronger should be willing to, in the light of the cross, lay down that thing for the sake of your brother. It's not about your faith. It's not about whether you'll still be a person of faith. It's about whether you can love. So we need to love in the light of the cross. He's not going to say, by the way, I'm just kind of feeding forward because I want to go into this next one. He's not saying, let the lowest common denominator rule. In other words, he's about to say, hey, get a different view. Love enough to lay it down, but here's the next point. Love with a kingdom perspective. Love with a kingdom perspective. Verses 16 and 18, he says this. Do not allow what you consider good to be spoken of as what? Evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and approved by men. Now you're saying to yourself, wait a minute. So do I lay it down or not lay it down? So if, if, if I'm not going to do it for the sake of my brother... Then now he says, what? Don't let it be spoken of. If it's good for you, don't let it be spoken of as evil. So he's backing up and saying, don't, don't let your, your, your behavior and your faith precede your brother. Don't let, it, don't let it go over your brother. But at the same time, if you can do it in faith and you hear someone speaking of it as evil, don't let it be spoken of as evil. Stand up and say, you know what, I can do this in faith. But he's basically saying, don't flaunt your, your activity in front of another. Are you confused enough? So what is he saying? He's saying, live in the light of the cross, but live with a kingdom perspective that God is over everything. You know, I, I've tried to think of examples here of, of what to use because every disputable matter we can imagine is somewhere here in our place. You know what I mean? I mean, there are some people here, and rightfully so, there are some people here who partake of alcohol, and there are some who don't. Great. Either way, 
whatever God says. God's clear, don't be drunk on wine. And if you, there are tons of reasons not to drink alcohol. Tons. If you come from a family of alcoholics, if you have a system of abuse, if God has said to you, don't do this, if it violates your conscience, tons of reasons not to. However, if you can participate in it with it as a clear conscience, then the Bible, is un- the Bible doesn't say. Can we just say it's a disputable matter? We can say, going to movies, it's a disputable matter. Don't go to, don't go to movies that are pornographic. I mean, I think we can all agree. There is a level of where not to go, right? But there's a big gap in there about what we can do and what we can not, shouldn't do. We need to live with a kingdom perspective. Here's the problem, and without going into gory details of every single thing, most of us don't live with a kingdom perspective. What do we live with? We live with the kingdom of self. It's all about me. What can I do? What can I not do? Not about us. The we aspect. The church has been... Let me go carefully here, but stay with me if you would, in love. The self-centered aspect of the way we respond is many times not limited to just me. It is limited to us. In other words, fullness. We are a part of the kingdom of God, right? We, we, We are not the kingdom of God. And in other words, an individual church, no matter how large it is, is not the kingdom of God, right? But many churches become kingdom of themselves and centered under themselves. So even though I'm speaking to us individually, I'm speaking to us corporately. And then I, I could speak to our nation. Are you not just devastated, heartbroken over what's going on in our country right now as far as race is concerned? the discussion of race, and what horrible things have been done, and how, how the white church has been silent on this for way too long. Why? Because we're not kingdom-minded. We are not, we don't see people, people, all people, created in the image of God from a kingdom perspective. And as a result... We said, well, you know, that really doesn't have anything to do with me. It doesn't, really, it doesn't really affect me. Well, of course it doesn't affect you. You don't think it affects you. You're a white person in Birmingham, Alabama, for most of us, right? I, it's hard for me to even speak on this because I know I'm a 61-year-old uh, something. I know it's the first number is a six. You, know, you start to forget. I'm a 61-year-old white guy. In Birmingham. But I pray God give me a kingdom perspective. I mean, I, I have just, I've sat in my home just begging God to give me wisdom on what to even say or do in the middle of this horrific situation. And this is not about one event. This is about a history woven into the fabric of our society that, that, that elevates 
one race over another. So much so that we don't even know, as especially white people, what we don't know. You know, I, I can't even put myself in my, my brother's shoes, in TV's shoes. I can't even, I can't even, I try to. I try to have conversations. I try to love. But because it's in, there's stuff ingrained in my head, my only hope, only hope, honestly, is the spirit of truth. The kingdom of God giving me revelation about what to do in my sphere of influence on how to make a difference. Brene Brown says this, learning is hard, unlearning is harder. Pretending that most of us don't need to do either when it comes to racism is its own form of violence. My problem is I don't know what I, I don't know. I don't, I need to unlearn. And I'm praying, God, give me wisdom how to unlearn. How to unlearn things that have caused me to think in a way that doesn't honor my brothers and sisters of every color, every race, every tribe. We need, church, a kingdom perspective. Now, I went from disputable matters to what I consider non-disputable. I think every person is created in the image of God, undisputable. I think Christ died for every human being, undisputable. I believe that when a person comes to faith in Christ, every person is my brother and sister, and we are a part of the kingdom of God, undisputable. But to me, to get all of that encompassed, we got to get a kingdom perspective. We have to, in some way, see we are a part of the kingdom of God. God, give me wisdom in loving my brothers and sisters. If we're going to love right, we've got to love with a kingdom perspective. We need to love in order to build up. To build, and listen, whatever I've just said, it is so inadequate in light of all that's going on. I, I understand that. But we need prayer. We need to fast. We need to get on face before the Lord and say, God, as a church, as a people, give us wisdom in what to do in order for our kingdom perspective to be enhanced. We need to love in order to build up. Verses 19 through 21 says, Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. How do we build one another up? Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a man to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink or drink wine or to do anything else that will cause your brother to fall. We need to build one another up. This is about mutual edification. Your love will build me up. My love will build you up. And we need to act in light of all these things. Our goal should be that of peace and the building up of each other. Again, we're Americans, right? Dadgummit, we're Americans. I'm going to tweet it out even. I'm an American, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and I, no one can take my freedom away. Right, no one can take your freedom away, but you can lay it down for the sake of the brother or sister in Christ. 
It's about mutual edification. I, I, I find that most of the time that when people demand a right, that they've lost vision of love. Because it's about them, not about us. Now that's, listen, I'm not saying get run over. I'm just, Paul, I think, brings balance to this. But at the same time, he's saying, people, it's about us building one another up. Mutual edification. Your love, my love, building one another up. Has anyone practiced that turn-the-other-cheek thing lately? I mean, I, I say that in jest, but it's not built into us. That's why Jesus commanded it. Laying our rights down, being willing to suffer for the sake of the cross. And then finally, it's this, love with a clear conscience. Love with a clear conscience. Verses 22 and 23. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the man who does not condemn himself by what he approves. But the man who has doubts is condemned if he eats. Because his eating is not from faith. And everything that does not come from faith is what? Sin. Love with a clear conscience. comes down to this. Paul says, look, if you can eat or drink something and still do it in faith, it's, it's fine. But at the same time, don't flaunt it in front of your brother or sister who's struggling with that issue. I don't even want to, I don't even know what to bring up other than alcohol right now in our society, so forgive me, but it's not a one-trick pony kind of thing. It fits a lot of different things. But let's say you like to have a glass of wine with your dinner. And you go out to dinner with a brother or sister in Christ who is not, who doesn't drink and believes that you shouldn't. So what do you do? Well, don't drink. It's an easy call. Is it not? <laughs> to me, but some people say, no, 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 I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And he's saying, don't flaunt your freedom in front of a brother or sister. And then some people say, well, if I can't drink in front of them, I shouldn't drink at home. Paul is saying the exact opposite. He's saying, you can do what you want to do in private if you can do it with a clear conscience. Just don't flaunt it in front of your brother or sister in Christ. And he says, listen, if you're the brother or sister who can't do this activity, then for you to even do it is a sin. So don't let anyone force you into it either. Who said the Christian life is simple? I mean, who said, oh, this is easy. There's nothing to this. Just follow these couple of commands and we're good to go. No, I think God is saying this. The unity of the Spirit comes by a constant fellowship with the person of the Holy Spirit. Because every situation you're going to encounter over the next days and weeks is varying. And you need the power and presence of the spirit of truth to lead you and guide you into each of those circumstances and situations. I can't even tell you the myriad of possibilities for operating in a disputable matter. Do I do? Do I don't do? What if they say something? What if they don't say something? What if it comes up? What do I say to them? How do I do this? Is this disputable in me? You've got to tap into the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Always. 
at every moment of your life. Famous preacher Charles Spurgeon um, from the 1800s. I mean, probably the most prominent preacher of the, in the world of his generation. I mean, his books, his, his writings, his preaching in London greatly impacted the kingdom of God. He also loved to smoke cigars. Loved them. He talked about smoking to the glory of God. <laughs> that he could get a cigar and smoke to the glory of God. Later in life, he started to have some health issues. Not related to cigar smoking, by the way, but as far as we know. But some other, honestly, he was a little overweight. That's a whole different issue, right? <laughs> so, um, tons of stories about Spurgeon and his cigar smoking. But one of the things that impacted him was one day he walked into a cigar shop in London. And again, he was already undergoing some health issues, was contemplating giving up smoking. But then he saw a sign, um, we have the cigars that Spurgeon smokes, advertised in the cigar shop. That's how big a deal he was in London. I mean, how popular he was. And he went home and said to his wife, you know, I, I'm already doing this, but there's no way my name, I, I, my name should only be attached to the glory of God, to the work of Jesus Christ, not to whatever cigar I smokes, smoke. So he gave it up. He gave up something he loved, and to what he could say, I was doing to the glory of God, now he can't do it. So now he's willing to lay down something for the sake of his brothers or sisters in Christ or the name of Jesus. I pray that for all of us, we are as uh, Rupertus Maldinius says, he says, in essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. But in everything, love, charity. In all things, love and charity. I pray that that's the kind of church that fullness is. That we hold on to the, our faith and that unifies us. But in, but in non-essentials, liberty. And in all things, we love one another. So if you're here today and you see wearing a mask as an essential or not wearing a mask as essential, just turn to your brother and sister and love them in Christ, whether they're wearing or not wearing. I mean, we could go right down the list of things that are becoming essentials. Listen to the health authorities. Don't buck against things, but love one another. Love one another because it's the love that we have for one another that's going to show the world who we are, that we're followers of Jesus Christ. Amen? Here's what I want to do for a second. If you're here this morning and you are, are undergoing a health issue and you'd like for me to pray for you, just stand up. This is how we're going to do ministry time. I know, you know, having ministry teams during this time, it's going to be kind of challenging. But if you would like prayer for healing right now, Craig and the team are going to come back up. They're going to play. Uh, if you'd like prayer, just stand up and let me pray for you. If you're at your home, you want me to pray for you, I'll just pretend that I'm praying for you there. I'm not pretend. I am praying for you there. But just stand up and let me uh, help have you join uh, as we pray. Anybody else?
reach out your hand toward those. Don't, you know, we're trying to practice this crazy thing called social distancing, but just reach out your hand toward them and let's, let's pray for them. Lord, you see those who are standing right now. You know their circumstance, their physical ailment. God, I pray for healing to come upon them right now in the name of Jesus. Power of the Spirit who came to set free. Jesus, you came to heal. Uh, Lord, I pray for healing. Touch whatever part of their body is ailing them right now. God, do your work of healing. If you're here today and you're seeking God for direction for the days ahead, you need wisdom. You need the spirit of truth to come upon you afresh and anew for some decision or steps in that. Stand up. Let me pray for you. Prayers aren't long, but, you know, Jesus just said, take up your bed and walk. His prayers weren't that long either, but they were powerful. And we believe in the power of the spirit to touch you right now. Lord, there are some here who are seeking wisdom and direction, and they're asking for you to show them the next step. And so, God, I just pray that you would show them that you are the way maker. You are the spirit who leads and guides and and shows us the path that we are to follow. So, God, lead and guide those who are asking for wisdom. Everyone else stand up. Lord God, we say we are the body of Christ. God, right now, we want to cry out to you for this nation. We want to to ask, Lord, to give us wisdom in our part and how we can impact the spiritual and the physical realm in which we live so that that the hatred and the, 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 the racism that is so prevalent for whatever reason in our society and even in our own hearts when we don't even know it, God, we pray that it would be broken down and instead that, that the, the word of God would go forth. That this is not about the kingdom of America. This is about the kingdom of God. This is about the truth of God prevailing in this country. This is about, uh, Lord, in our sphere, let us love our brothers and sisters in Christ to the point that no disputable matter will get in the way. That instead, God, we would be led and guided by you. Lord, break our hearts with the horror that's around us in the treating of other human beings. No matter where they're from or how much money they have or whatever background or or race they may come from, Lord. Lord, we confess we don't even know how to really pray. So, Spirit intercede for us with groans and words and sounds that meaning can't express. Show us a way, Lord, forward. May the church repent of its part in this over the many, many years. And may we walk in truth so that you'll heal both the church and that the gospel will go forth in power. Lord, you are a way maker. You're here moving in our midst, so move right now. Let's just sing that together.